Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Eric Felton. We're joined today by the Weekly Standard's Chris Deaton, who's been following and covering the Georgia 6 special election that happened yesterday. Chris, how's it going? Not too bad. How are you today? It was a very, very special night and a long line of them so far this year in special election season. So yet another case of Mm -hmm. the polls telling us that the Democratic candidate (laughs) was going to win and the polls having been significantly off. They were pointing in the direction of Ossoff for several weeks. We have to remember Ossoff is John Ossoff. John, yes, John Ossoff, the, the, the Democrat Democratic candidate. That's right. Karen Handel, the former Georgia Secretary of State, was the Republican who won. Um, the polls had been showing since the first round of election voting here in April uh, that Ossoff was probably a little bit of a small favorite. And if you look at the polling numbers in context of all the fundraising that he was getting done, I mean, he burned through $22 million of fundraising that he hauled in. That, um, that's $22 million yeah, that's right. in, in one Georgia district. That's right. I'm putting my pinky up to my uh, lips right now, uh, uh, Austin Powers style, Dr. Evil style. Um, but when you look at that in context and then look at all of the anti-Trump sentiment nationally that seemed to kind of focus on this one election, the polling kind of made sense in context. But then we have to remember toward the end, you know, people go back to their bases. Uh, the Republican candidate handled didn't make any major missteps that cost her. She ends up winning. I also wonder if the this is another example of a kind of hidden or shy Trump vote, um, which is to say... We live in a climate where people who identify as Trump voters come Mm -hmm. in for no small amount of abuse and vindictive uh, behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, So people just may not want to say they're voting for the Republican candidate. The candidate seems to be associated with Trump when they talk to a pollster. But when they get Mm -hmm. into the voting booth and it's secret... Mm-hmm. Um, they may be more willing to do so. Mm-hmm. Sure. And and I think that Fred Barnes made a great point about this um, overnight in his election roundup that Donald Trump doesn't appear to be quite the drag on down ticket type of people or, of course, in an off cycle year uh, with Donald Trump not being on the ballot, just some lower he people. He isn't president boat anchor yet. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. So, you know, but the, the, the counter to that is that there, there probably is some sort of effect. I mean, there was all also another special election last night that uh, our Tony Messia wrote about um, in South Carolina that received almost zero attention whatsoever, which probably the, helped the Democrat. Right, do the well. Democrat almost snuck in there. That's that exactly way. that's exactly right. But you would imagine that in a little bit more of a normal election environment in a district like that, which was held by Mick Mulvaney, now the budget chief uh, for President Trump, the Republicans going to do probably pretty well, and he only ends up winning by a handful of points. So there's still some gray area to be sorted out here, but it doesn't look like it's to your point all that bad news for Republicans who are running for these special election House races right now. I think the Democrats are in in a mood to to say that part of the problem was their candidate mm-hmm. in the Georgia race. He seemed to be a, 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 a smart, well put together young man as a mm-hmm. as a candidate, but there were certain problems. One, he didn't actually live in the district, right? Which you can talk that away all you want sure. to talk that away, but it it's it's just not good. Yeah. Um, and then the other, I heard him on on NPR. Mm-hmm. And it was it was telling Karen Handel. Um, they made a point of saying had been invited to 
to be on NPR as well, but couldn't work it out on her schedule. This showed what a disciplined candidate she was. She knew that her voters were not to be reached by by being on national public radio. But John Ossoff was happily on mm-hmm. uh, national public radio. And his first statement was pretty impressive. Uh-huh. And, um, and I was thinking, wow, this is a, a really capable young candidate. Um, beyond his years, really. Mm-hmm. And then he was asked a, 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 another question, and he basically gave the same answer. And then he was asked <laughs> another question, and he basically gave it, you know, it was a, a one-trick pony with one answer that he had really practiced, mm-hmm. and he could deliver the heck out of that one yes. answer. Talking point without the S. This is not pluralized. <laughs> we, we're, we're really distilling it now to, the, to, to some real simplicity in politics here. He was an interesting candidate who was trying to strike, I think, almost of an impossible balance. Uh, when I was down there a couple of weeks ago and um, you know, digging into the local coverage more and more of what these people have been saying day by day, you have to take note of the fact that Ossoff began his campaign as the, air quotes here, make Trump furious candidate. That's what initially energized his candidacy when he announced in January. And the months go by, and he begins to sell himself as more of this pragmatist type of person, understanding that this is a swing district to him where the Republicans have an inherently built-in edge, but it's not hugely Trump-sympathetic. It has a lot of high-tech jobs. Education levels are going up there. So you have a mix of people where you have to tread some very careful ground. And Ossoff keeps trying to do this type of stuff like what you're saying, repeating these anodyne talking points that really almost sound like they're the same thing over and over again. I mean, this is not even a broken record. This is just one of those YouTube videos where it's a person saying a sentence for nine hours in a row. And, you know, you can only get away with that so much. So the Democratic takeaway that I've heard today mm-hmm. has been a lot of that that this effort at moderation is not the way to yeah. go and that the one thing that John Ossoff has proved is that Democrats need to be going full-throated in their shouting about the hateful Trump and and uh, full resistance mode. Uh-huh. Not so sure about that. They, they should be careful what they wish for. I, something about politics that I think certainly both Republicans and Democrats you know, miss year by year by year is that you cannot superimpose one cardboard cutout of a type of liberal or conservative candidate to run in every district, every open Senate seat. Demographics are different. Constituencies are different. And in a particular space like this one where the Democrat is going to have a disadvantage no matter who it is, and you do need to reach out to some of those soft Republican voters or some of those more fence-sitting purple type of voters, you're not going to do that with the hard-charging anti-Trump Bernie Sanders rhetoric. You can feed off of that energy. You can raise money off of that. But you can't present yourself publicly and expect to attract those types of voters. So they have to be – it's entirely circumstantial, but they have to be careful where they run that type of candidate. If they try to take away the lesson here that, well, we should run the more progressive, hard-charging person everywhere as a result of this loss, their loss in Montana, I really don't think that's going to uh, prove to be as fruitful that a lot of them think uh, it will be. It's a much more nuanced issue than that. Although the Republicans would be making a huge mistake if they think that uh, the record they've put together so far on these special elections, which is mm-hmm. um, disappointments relentlessly for the Democrats, right. means that they are not going to suffer losses right. in the midterm election. And they don't really have to suffer 
that many losses to lose the House. Some 24 mm-hmm. seats is this is the size of the margin, which really is not that big by historical no. um, off-year election, uh, midterm elections, when especially when a president um, has high unfavorability That's ratings. Right. That's right. If the Democrats get the sufficient number of seats to flip the House, um, and it's just uh, you know barely enough to to cross the threshold, I don't, I don't think it would necessarily even qualify as a wave election. Um, they can do it with, like you said, some pretty typical um, partisan oscillation that happens in in these off years when the presidential election isn't on the ballot. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch what the Republicans, what kind of lessons Republicans take away from this. We've talked about the Democrats a lot, uh, but something that struck me is that the Congressional Leadership Fund, a super PAC that was uh, helping Handel's campaign out quite a bit from the outside and driving up John Ossoff's negative favorable ratings, you have to imagine, uh, did a lot of research where they found out that Nancy Pelosi is still a very persuasive name on the campaign trail. And you wonder if going back to that well nationwide to try to deflect some attention from Trump and go back to an old reliable message of Nancy Pelosi doesn't need another rubber stamp in Congress. Do you want a return of the Nancy Pelosi speakership? Maybe that's going to be effective nationwide uh, as we get to 2018 here. We're focusing a little bit away from the new national politics of Trumpism. Chris Deaton of The Weekly Standard, thanks for joining us so much on The Daily Standard Podcast. All right. Thanks, Eric. And thank you so much for listening to The Daily Standard Podcast. You can get all of our podcasts at weeklystandard.com, or better yet, subscribe at iTunes or Google Play. Go to either of those fine services and search for Weekly Standard. That way you'll never miss any of our podcasts, including the Crystal Clear Podcast with Bill Crystal every Friday, and the Confab with me, Eric Felton, every weekend. Catch you next time.